Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. That being said, if you have been in this church at all for a little longer than a week, we've been in this whole long study, we're on week 10 of the book of James. And I know you're like, okay, 10 weeks in the book of James, really? Well, if you've read the book of James, it's five chapters. It's probably about three pages in my Bible. But there's so much depth and meat to it that we don't want to gloss over it. We want to highlight into it. Because James talks about what? Watch what you say. Be quick to hear what others are saying. Things I struggle with. Man, in my household, my wife talks a million miles a minute because, well, I'm not going to say that. Come on, you can laugh a little bit this morning. We got to get our calisthenics. Do I just need to ask you to stand up and sit down to get some calisthenics to wake you up this morning? But James talks about various other things about our spiritual walk and our spiritual life and how they should engage in our lives and all that we have. But this morning, my wife smacked me upside the head and said, Please stop. And I said, What did I do, honey? She said, honey, I've listened to three sermons out of your mouth while you were sleeping last night. I don't need any more. And then she looked at me and says, what are you preaching on? I said, Jesus. And she's like, please just go to the other room. So at 4.30 this morning, I went downstairs. I looked at my three different sermons that I actually had already written out. And I said, Lord, which one do you want me to use? And he says, let's get it together and make it all work together to work it to have the glory for God to be shining through everything that you have. I said, okay, God, whatever you got. And then I looked at the clock, and I said, it's 4.30, and then it went to 7.30, and I said, honey, you got to get up. And she looked at me and says, why? I think she got a little extra treat this morning because she got that extra hour of sleep. So I have to ask, did you enjoy your extra hour of sleep this morning? Wow. I got some yeses, I got some noes, I got some that said, I didn't even realize I got the extra hour of sleep. Let me tell you, I woke up this morning and the sun was in the windows and I was like, okay, this is kind of nice. I don't have to start off the day in the pitch black. Well, we know that's going to kind of invert to the nighttime, but that's okay. We'll live with it, right? But because of that extra hour of sleep, it's really had me processing where the sermon was going to go to as I was highlighting. Because in each day, there are how many hours? Okay, how many? Thank you, 24 hours. You see, my old brain is not working like it used to. Brother Jack's a whole lot more livid or lucid with his mental complexity than I am some mornings. There's 24 hours in a day. How many minutes? Oh, <laughs> No, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. How about this one? How many seconds are there? Oh, wow. Okay, we're not getting that mental uh, math going this morning. What is, okay, 24 times 60 times 60. It becomes 86,400 seconds. Isn't that a crazy number to think about? That there's that many seconds in each and every day? But each and every single day we wake up with a plan and intentionality 
but it seems like there's never enough seconds in every single day to get everything we want done, correct? It's like I wake up every single morning. I'm going to give you a highlight of my household. I wake up every single morning. i got the five daughters in my household. They need to get breakfast. They need to get dressed. They need to get ready to go to school. And then I have three more kids come to my house every single morning because we switch out one kid for three kids. And so I have seven kids in my car on the way to school every single morning. And they, they come in, and, and, and they, they're like talking all over the place at 1,000 miles a minute. And I'm only looking at my kids saying, shut up. I need coffee. And they're looking at me going, Dad, but really? And I'm like, yes, I need coffee because coffee is the only way I'm ever going to deal with everything you have because I have three kids with ADHD. And if you know anything about ADHD, they go about a billion miles a minute with every single word. And it doesn't connect. And it's all over the place. And I can't keep track of what they're saying. That being said, that's the first hour of my morning. Then they get loaded up in the car, and then I start driving on, and they're like, can we listen to this, can we listen to this, can we listen to this? And I'm like, child, all I want to do is listen to Jesus music. And they're like, well, I want to listen to this or this or that. And I'm like, no! And then some mornings I kind of play a little trick on them because I put some preaching on, and they're like, oh, do we have to listen to this? But it seems like it gets so chaotic. Get my kids dropped off. Then I start going through the next part of my day, and it just seems like it never stops. Something keeps going. I think I, I got told one time, and when I got into the pastorate, they said, you do realize once Christmas and Easter are over, it's like smooth selling. It's calm as all get out. Brother Jim, you know where I'm going with that. Whoever said that to me is a liar. I don't have time for half of the stuff. Let alone, I don't see how you guys have time for half of the agenda that's on the list. Like doing the laundry, feeding the kids, mowing the grass, doing everything we have. Because it seems like our time is so preoccupied with everything that we had set forth to get done. My wife gives me the honey-do list and says, honey, I need this fixed. Honey, I need this fixed. And I'm like, you have a list. I understand but when is it going to get done? I finished my basement once. A lot of YouTube videos. I told her, honey, I think it'll take me about three months to get the framing done, the drywall done, the floor down, and everything. Three years later, she said, at least we finally got done. And I was like, babe, really? There's not enough time in the world for what I got going on. And it seems even more so as I keep getting older and I keep having more and more people connect into my life and I find all these little things that are trying to take away with what I have because it all goes into a blur. Is it the same for you? You got one. It says, yo. Does it seem like a blur to you half the time? Because I know if my life's a blur, I know everybody else's life's a blur because you guys are busier than me half the time. I mean, the pastor does nothing but get up and preach on Sundays. But the time that we have is valuable. And the time we have, we can measure it in seconds, but a lot of the times we measure these moments in our lives by anniversaries or birthdays. 
Sometimes, if you live in the South, you measure time by how far of a distance it is. Can I, being in South Carolina, Brother Chip and anybody that's lived in the South knows that if you give people directions, they measure time and distance together. Oh, you go down there, you turn right at that Piggly Wiggly, and then you go about 15 miles down the road, and, it, and, and you're going to get there at some point. And I'm like, 45 minutes later, where am I at? What did they just tell me to do? They measured it out in a length and a time, and I don't get it. And I struggled. But that's how we equate time in our lives. It's like, I live every single day, and my wife looks at me and says, Honey, you do realize you just hit 41 this year. I was like, Yeah. She says, How do you feel? I said, Old. And she goes, Okay. And I said, How old are you going to be this year? She says, Don't even. But where I'm truly trying to get at this morning is our idea of how time functions in our life is measured in moments and seconds and minutes and hours and days and months and in seasonal patterns trust me my wife is already doing the seasonal dance of can we put the christmas tree up and it's everything i can do to say no honey please wait until the turkey is off the table for thanksgiving and then we can get the trees out it's in those moments that we have. And it's even worse because we live for the moments in every single day of our lives. We live for the purpose that we want to unlock. We live for the purpose that we want to find. Let me tell you, I live for the days when I know the clock is going to fall back because I have a glimmer of hope that I might have an extra hour of sleep where I might feel rested even more than I had the day before. Does it always work? No. But it seems like it's the rat race of this life that we get caught up in the, the, the dysfunction that goes through it. We get caught up into the world's mentality that we have to keep spinning this race of this, this, this timetable as the clock keeps going. We have to keep moving. But it's where this moment is where God just kept speaking to me as I was going through this week, trying to figure out what I was going to actually preach on. And in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, it kind of highlights where we're at this morning. The scripture says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow I will go and do such and such at a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your ignorance, and all of your boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right things to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Lord, touch me this morning. Give me the clarity, Lord, to combine these three sermons that you've asked me to preach on. In a way, in a fashion, Lord, that we can understand the depth of what your word is trying to expose to each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, use me to be the vessel that you need to speak through. And also be the vessel that receives these words through the itchy ears, Lord, that you give them. 
and let it go into their hearts, Lord, to be locked away, to, uh, to, to kind of focus on the, this week, Lord. Lord, I ask you to just be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. You see, I kind of love how James is talking about the same thing that we're waking up to this morning. I kind of like how the calendar, it seems like in the sermon series, keeps correlating with the things that we're dealing with each and every single week. Because what James is trying to bring to light is something that needs to take precedence, not just today. Even though it's more relevant today, but in everyday life. And that is because we plan everything in accordance to a time. You plan parties according to birthdays or for great celebrations. You plan your work day on according how to get to one place because you have to be at work. You plan your shopping sprees according to the paycheck getting direct deposited into your bank accounts. And pretty much everything else we do in this life is put into a plan of priority by what we desire to have. But one of the things that, that I have to ask a question of is this morning that might get you upset like it makes me upset. And it is, what do you do when something happens that doesn't go according to your plan? What do you do when something comes up in, in your life that's not according to plan? It's like one day you're driving along and next thing you know is you get a nail on the tire and you're like, oh, there goes my day. It's so ruined. Or better yet, you're going along and you look at the gas prices and you're like, oh, I can't afford gas this morning. How am I going to get to work? Or better yet, you wake up and your spouse didn't make the coffee for you. So therefore, you had to spend the extra five minutes to put the coffee beans in there and grind them up and put them in the filter and start getting the coffee going just so you can make sure you're pepped up enough to go deal with people. You see, each and every day that we live our lives, we go according to plan. The way we want to plan, the things that we want to do. And it's the wrenches that always seem that they foul us up and cause us so much struggles in every single thing we do. It's like my life. I have a rule with Melissa. I said, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. It irritates the snot out of it. Yes, I said snot. But it irritates her because she's like, honey, I forgot to put it in the calendar. But this is right here. And I look at her and I say, honey, I understand. I will do everything I can to make this happen. But I can't guarantee it. Because I already had other obligations that I got to deal with. And she says, well, you need to cancel your obligations and just make what I want and what be done. And I'm like, honey, it doesn't work that way. And she gets so flustered. But it's the way that we roll with the punches and the way that our calendars and our plans and intentionalities get messed up. I can remember, like this morning, I, I came in here to make sure the heat was on in the church so that way you wouldn't freeze to death and have chattering teeth and gnashing of teeth, because you know, that's how it works. And I'm sitting at a light and I'm looking at the light and I'm like, okay, I've got red, look left, look right, and nothing's coming and I'm like, I could just go. And then I kind of had God just kind of go, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches and sit at a stoplight even though you might be in a hurry. Just like I was in the grocery store the other day. <clears throat> 
And I looked at this woman and she's like, oh, I'm sorry I cut you off. I said, oh, I'm thankful that these things don't have horns. You know, the horns, the car horns. Not horns. Because what I've learned is that, that, that you see how the world works nowadays. I have never heard as many car horns as I do that I lived up here, where, where people are like, oh, you don't get to move it too fast. And I'm like, okay, where's your time? What are you trying to do? I'm just trying to go according to the rules of the road and try to obey everything and do everything I can, but I have to get someplace too. And there are other times when I'm getting behind somebody driving around and they're just going 25 and a 45, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus. I got to get to their school to pick up my kids. I'm going to be late. Ah, they're going to go crazy. And I'm like, ah! So what do I do? I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to cast myself under the bus this morning. I get over in the lane, tromp that gas pedal down, and make sure they hear that motor go, and I get around it. But what I'm trying to get at is, is that we all live according to plan, and we try to do everything according to how we want to do things. We want to try to keep life where it functions in a fashion that we can calculate and put into our phones. But one thing I've really learned in my life and in my Christian walk is it doesn't always work that way. Each and every one of us have these moments in our life where we get inconvenienced by the the most obscure thing and it really irritates us. But a lot of the times it's a lesson that God is trying to teach each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, show me how to be patient. Never will I tell you to pray that prayer like I prayed it. Because what I've learned is when I prayed the prayer, God's like, okay, I'll show you how to be patient. Get ready. And I'm like, God, are we there yet? God, are we there yet? God, can we have this happen now? And he's like, not yet. God, can we do No. God, I need to get going through. No. And then when I got it, it was like, oh, Finally, praise God, hallelujah. And I was like, okay. And then I got there, I was like, is that it? And it was just how God shows us different things. You see, what James is trying to say, what he's trying to highlight truly is a question that we need to unlock each and every one of us in our lives. Because we have our lives planned out accordingly, but we try to move things forward. And we try to calculate how it all should work out. But what James is trying to highlight is sometimes our plan doesn't always need to go accordingly how we set forth. It's like girls, because I have five of them, they got little journals and they have these things that they tell me, oh, I'm going to marry so-and-so on this certain day when I'm this old and it's going to look like this and this and this. And I'm like, honey, you're not getting married till you're 35 first off, not 18. But they're like, no, it's going to be perfect. But we live in a society that plans it out. We have a society that says I have to work X, Y, Z before I can even think about having kids. We live in a society that's more focused on vacations than they are saving in their bank accounts. We live in a society that is more focused on planning out their Instagram feeds and how they're going to get more followers than they are about how they... Trust God. We live in a society that has to plan everything out so meticulously according to their plans. 
that they struggle every single day of their lives because they don't find the happiness and the joy that comes to Christ. That's why in my early Christian faith, I was thankful when I kind of came across a scripture that has been my banner in every single thing I do. Melissa hates it more than anything else because I quote it to her all the sing- every single day almost. When she gets anxious, I say, man's heart plans his ways. She says, yeah, I know, I'm planning my ways. And I'm like, yeah, but the Lord will establish his steps. See, it's Proverbs 16, 9. And that scripture has been my banner and my beacon because every single day of our lives, we plan accordingly. I plan to get married. I plan to have two kids. God has better plans than me. I plan to have a BMW. I'm still driving an NV passenger 12 van. I did not expect that. I plan to have all these wonderful things, this great house in Cincinnati, and that I'd never move, and then I'd have a pool in the backyard, and I'm like, I'm freezing up here in Ohio. You see, what I'm trying to say at is you all have plans. Each and every one of you have planned accordingly a life that you have envisioned. And it's great, and it's powerful, and it's mighty, but there's obstacles that come through. And how we react to the obstacles or how we, we, we overcome the obstacles is when we put our reliance in the one that will establish the steps that we walk. You see, some of you have went through life thinking it was going to be great, you were going to have X, Y, Z, and then you got held up with addiction. And you're like, God, I can't move, I'm stuck in the addiction. He says, okay, trust me, and I'll finally put my step in place where you can walk, where you can go, and you can trust the solid rock that I'm, I'm trying to let you hold on to. But it's about letting go of your plan and letting my plan come forward into it. Some of us might have had issues in our marriages, and we're like, God, why are you not fixing my marriage this morning? And he says, okay, are you going to trust me with the plan that's going to come forth? And you're like, No. Well, it won't fix itself until you trust me to let my step get put into place. See, James is trying to highlight this in the text when he's asking you, what is it that your intentionality is trying to drive towards? Is it the fact that you want what you want and how you want it? Or as James would put it, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow I will go do such and such. And I will go stay in a certain town and I will make all the bank in the book as I'm in there making profit because I have my plans. James is trying to call it out as what it is. Boasting. The struggle where you're not connecting with his truth and with the creating God. Where you're trying to make your own ends meet. And you're trying to make your own way. And where you're trying to worship yourself. See, worship's a funny word in the church. Because we know that we worship God. But we don't realize that we often, too too often, worship each other, ourselves, or situations. And we serve a jealous God. A God that wants all the worship. He doesn't want you to give him partial worship. He wants it all. And worship, if you want the true narrowest definition, it is your work of full surrender to him and acknowledging he's the one that's worthy of it all, not you. And every single day of our lives, we find that we struggle with that. 
where we have to struggle with the disconnecting of our selfish ideals and our selfish wants, and we start trying to say, God, I don't care what it is, I trust you. Where we start connecting with, with his truth and understanding that our energies that we're trying to pursue after our lives are only showing that we're worshiping our plans. And we're boasting in those every single time where we're trying to get through it. And that's why James is trying to say, come now. You have no power or authority in it, but let's wake you up a little bit more and make you understand there's greater on the next side. There's greater on the next step. There's greater in everything that you do because of the power that God has in it. But then he opens up after right, that, or right after that second with a deep thought question that we all need to ask. You plan. You do everything precisely and accordingly how you want. But what is your life about? Trust me, when God hits me with these things, I'm like, God, please stop. And I know how it feels because that question's so, uh, duh. But at the same time, it has the ability to make your mental gears start turning. And you're like, okay, what is life about? What is this I'm doing in this life? Is it just about me going out and having kids? Is it about me going out and just saying happy wife, happy life? Is it just about going through every single motion of my life, trying to make everybody around me so happy that I'm so complacent? You see, I want to challenge you this morning. James is not saying it's about complacency. It's not about your plans. But what he's saying is your life was designed for communion and relationship and connection with God. That's why we're designed And he says, if none of us are willing to cry out and worship him, he'll make another part of his creation do it for us. And one that doesn't have mouths, it doesn't have breath in its lungs, it's a rock. He says, even the rocks will cry out if you're not willing to connect with me. You see, we struggle every single day because what we think that our life should be about is me. God, I just need food for my day because I need it because I can't get along anymore. God, I just need this every single day. But I'm not worshiping you. You need to worship me, God, because I'm perfect the way I am. If that's your mentality, you need a heart check. Because what we have to realize, and this message is not one I like to say all that, time, all that often, but we have to realize that our lives are greater and more passionate beyond what we realize if we would connect it with God. If we would see the truth for what it is, is that our worship should always be for Him and Him alone. And if we understand that that's what our life is about, we would encompass everything that we do. How we treat our bank accounts, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat our bodies, how we treat our neighbors, how we drive on the road. How we walk around Walmart or, or Target or whatever your store of choice is to get your groceries. How you live your life is changed. Everybody's once asked me one time, hey, what happened to you? I remember who you once were. I remember how you used to talk and how you used to smoke cigarettes and you would be fun over at the bars doing the karaoke. What happened to you? And I look at them and I say, it's because Jesus. Jesus. 
And they're like, huh? I said, you don't realize. I realized how my life was going. I realized if I kept drinking, I was going to end up in a car wreck. I realized that if I kept doing everything you think is fun and cool and everything like that, I'm losing everything I have at home. But Jesus... You see, I realized that my plans were the plans that were going to lead me to the path of destruction. Jesus highlighted it this way. In there's life, there's a whole giant roadway that you can be traveling down. And everybody seems to think that that one roadway is going to get you to heaven. But he says, but I say that there's a narrow path. A very narrow path. And it can only be found by him leading you along this life's journey. And when, I, when they look at me and say, well, what did Jesus do to you? I said, he saved me. And they said, well, what did he do to you? He loved me. Well, what are you doing for Jesus? I'm just going to love him back. I'm going to live my life and try to live according to how he did it and follow his example and, and all these different things. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. So I said, well, that's what my life is really about. It's never been about Stephen. It's always been about Jesus. I think that's the same for you. You have to come to the point where you have a self-realization that it's not about you as well. You have to realize that your life is not about whatever your name is this morning. You need to take that and just throw it away. You just need to replace it with Jesus. Because what that does is it starts radically transforming how you do things every single day of your life. How you raise your kids, like I said. There was once a time where I would go and get the belt as fast as I could anytime my kids did anything I didn't agree with. But Jesus, now I talk, I talk to them calmly and don't let my anger get through it. Because you don't realize that I'm Scottish. And if I'm Scottish, I have a temper like crazy and I start going crazy on them and they're like, I don't know what to do. It also trains how I live life and the pursuits that I have. See, I'm not trying to make this about me at all. I'm using my testimony as a reference point this morning. Me and my wife had a great life. We had money. We were comfortable. Kids were good. School's grades were great. And then when I said, God, not my will, but yours, it was a roller coaster. But a ride that I don't regret any at all. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Wouldn't trade it when he said, okay, I want you to be a minister of the gospel. I said, God, I'm not doing that. And he says, well, you already said you'd do whatever. I said, okay. Start pursuing that path and start doing all the different speaking engagements and going, this is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. But God, if you'll use me, transform lives. And I've seen lives transformed. I've seen young people come to Christ. I've seen old people come to Christ. I've seen them radically transform their lives because of what God is doing. And I've realized there's a correlation and a connection with how I spend my time. Time. How do you spend your time? What does your day look like? What does your life look like? And what is it about? You see, that's a question that most of us don't ever relate to when we ask about what our life is time. Brother Kenny already said it already this morning. He says, God is beyond time. Yeah. God is far beyond time. 
but God also invented time. In the book of Genesis, I was reminded that in the beginning, he, there was nothing, and all of a sudden, he spoke, and everything became in creation. And, and as God was kind of working on the earth, he looked at it, and he says, you know what? It's not good that darkness rules. Let there be light. And when he created the light, it created time. Because it caused a separation between night and day. And in that, we connected our lives with every different thing. And in that, brought forth the question, what are we doing with it? How is our life regarding it and everything that we do? Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, look carefully with how you walk, how you spend your time. Not as an unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of your time. Because the days that we live in are evil. You see, I want to challenge this morning. Each and every one of you, I want to challenge you. To ask God, through the Holy Spirit, God, what am I doing with my time that can be used to honor you? What am I doing with my life that can bring glory to you? Is it about me just sitting down on Sunday going, okay, Sunday ticket, let's roll. I'm calling the, the cuddle black because I'm last night and yesterday watching all of the college football I could watch. So don't think I'm not questioning my own abilities. I'm not questioning God. God, what is it that's become an idol in my life and my time? Because what I have to really, really bring to highlight with each and every one of you this morning is, is we're all looking for purpose. But your purpose is going to be found over your daily surrender. It's like there are days in my life that I would rather watch Ohio State beat whoever they're playing. And they did. But when that becomes the priority over somebody else that God's trying to wake up, it becomes a struggle. When that becomes a point in my life, that, when that becomes a point in your life where, where, where something goes through your time and you don't put God as your priority with how you raise your kids to honor God, with how you love your spouse with everything you have, with, 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 with how you interact with people, all those things. It becomes a, a crutch in each and every one of our lives. You guys are tough this morning. But the truth I want you guys to really hold on to is this, that if you can find surrender in your daily walk, it looks like it's harsh. It looks like when you say it that way, that it means you lose something. But it's never a loss. Because what I've learned on the flip side is, is that it might look bleak by surrendering that you can't watch a football game on a certain day. It might look bleak because you can't go and do that, watch that one movie you want to watch right then and there because you wanted to watch it. It might look bleak because you can't do exactly what you want with your life. But scripture reminds us to count it all joy, everything that you surrender to God. Because God will bring another blessing around the other bend. 
if you go through it. Not a prosperity gospel. Nothing of that. But it's a truth because God is a God that loves you enough that he wants to empower each and every one of you enough that in your surrender to him and everything that you do, you'll see the blessings. You'll see it come through those that you interact with. Let me tell you right now, some of the best things that I've ever seen God do in my life and through my life is when he interrupted my schedule. When he said, hey, you need to go do this over here. And I'm like, God, why? And he says, just trust me. And I'm like, okay, I trust you, God. And he starts speaking to me and I start interacting with people and I start seeing things change all over the place. It's like a couple weeks ago, sitting out there selling pumpkins to Noah Bell. I'm sitting there going, God, this is stupid. Why am I selling pumpkins in the church parking lot? And then Brother Rodriguez shows up. And I get to interact with him. And I'm like, God, that's exactly what I do, what I do. Interrupt my schedule every single day. God, I surrender it all to you every single day. Because I would rather you establish the steps that I go forth and all that I do. You see, James chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 kind of highlights it when he says, Instead, you ought to say and not live. In accordance to the way you want to do. But where you say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That's not easy. That's not easy at all. If it's the Lord's will, I'll get to do whatever I want. But I got what I No. And as it is, if you try to live according to your own, you will boast in your arrogance. And all boast is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is sin. By no means do I mean that you need to live your life haphazardly and not according to plans. I know that might seem like what I'm trying to say, but it's not. Make plans. Make plans to go on vacation. Make plans to spend time with your loved ones. Make plans to do everything. Make plans to, to have fun and engage with this life. By no means am I saying that you need to roll the dice with all of that you're doing and say, God, I'm just going to go and if I get a sick eyes, then I'm going to do this. Do not do that. God gave you wisdom and a brain to process this life. But what I'm saying here what Scripture is trying to remind us is, is that, that there has to be a point where your plans do not become your idol. There has to be a point where you're saying, God, I trust you enough that I will lead according to the way you want me to go. I will walk according to how you want me to go. I will trust your plans. And it's like where you trust that the calendar that you set forth might be a limitation but his calendar for your life that he's already predestined and all that stuff that he's got calculated ahead of times is greater than you. Because what we have to really hold on to is what Ecclesiastes kind of reminds us. That time has its points. Because we have a time to be born and a time to die. We have a time to plant and a time to pluck. What is planted. We have a time to kill and a time to heal. We have a time to break down and we have a time to build up. 
We have a time to weep and a time to laugh. We have a time to mourn and a time to dance. We have a time to cast away stones, and we have a time to gather the stones. We have a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We have a time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate and a time for war and a time for peace. We have a time for everything that's accordingly to God's plan. And we have a time accordingly for everything in our plan. But one thing that God keeps trying to tell the church lately is more and more is the time is now. The time is now. You see, most of us don't require that because we look forward to the things that are coming up. But I can hold on to the truth of what Jesus was saying when he says, it's not about what you worry about yesterday. Yesterday had its own anxieties. Lord knows you barely made it through what you went through. How you and your spouse got into an argument and you're just like, I just want to be done. Or how your kids made you pull all your hair out. Or wait, I did that already. Or a time where you just said, okay, I can barely get through work because I have to deal with coworkers. Or a time where my health and my body is just not functioning. I just want to plan for tomorrow. But then Jesus looked at his disciples as he was teaching them this lesson and this parable. And he says, it's not about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own struggles and its own concerns. You can plan for tomorrow. But what I'm trying to tell you right now is it's time to start living for right here, right now. Are you willing to trust the right here, right now with the intention of what God has got going on? Because if we understand how time works, you cannot encompass multiple times unless you're God. As far as I've looked around, I've not seen one person that looks like God in this place except for the image bearers. You see, I've not seen one person that is God here, right here, right now, that's above time and space. The God that's capable of understanding it, that's how he speaks things into motion. But what he said is, I made you finite beings that can only live in one time. Can't live in the past. I've met way too many people that have tried to live in the past. And they've regretted their life all the way through. I've led a lot of people that live in the, the future tense. Man, they're unbearable to be around because it's always about the, trying to get to that point. But then I've met people that live for the now. And man, those are the most enjoyable people you've ever met. Because they've went through hardships. They've went through the difficult times. They went through the seasons of, of struggle and loss and everything like that. But they've never let it shape who they are going to pursue after. Because what they've realized is, if God's given me this one breath in my lung, and these moments that I have, why not use them to honor God? And that's the struggle that humanity has. If you'll stand with me this morning. It's because... Time seems like it's longer than we ever thought we'd have until the funeral hits. Time seems like we have an eternity until we start seeing loss and we start equating it and trying to finitely reason with what we're trying to get to. But I want to encourage you. You'll never find the answers that you're trying to seek 
if you don't look for God first. Right here, right now. See, that's what God wants. He doesn't want your yesterday anymore. He wants right now. How are you going to love me? How are you going to pursue after what I've got accordingly? Because I want to bless you with this or that. God wants to do all these wonderful things, but he wants to know that he can have you right here, right now. And that's the question I want to ask, the final question. Does he have you right here, right now in these very moments? In the next moments, is he going to have you right then and there, right then and there, right now? See, what God wants is every single step that you're making be the plan that you intended, but let him establish it all. He wants to take you and lead you beside the still waters because your soul is troubled. He wants to restore everything that you have. He wants to lead you beside the difficult task. And even though you might fall according to the prophet Isaiah, he will reach down with his righteous right hand and lift you back up. But it's all about what you do in the right here and the right now. The right here and the right now matters more than you'd ever understand. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I want to ask, does your right here, right now, include God? Or is it all about you? Does your right here, right now, only include God with everything that you have? Will you trust Him for the next steps? Or is it all about you? Because that's not how you were ever designed. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you feel that God is tugging on your heartstring this morning, and you want to say, I want to live for God right here, right now, raise your hand. One hand, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, it's all over the room this morning. You see, that shows where we're at right now. It's because we need to walk through surrender. And this morning, I'm going to just going to say that this is a rededication service. We're going to rededicate the right here, right now to say, God, I trust you in your plan. And these words that I'm going to say have to matter because God, right here, right now, I want you to do everything I have. So if you'll repeat with me this morning, dear Lord Jesus, right here, right now, I realize I'm a mess. I need you to restore who I am and my worship in its proper place. So Lord, I surrender my right here, right now. And I ask because you went to the cross for me and better yet, you were risen from the dead to purchase my salvation and to give me new life in the right here, right now. So today, Lord, I declare that I am living the right here, right now for you and all that I have and all my future because I need you to be the Lord of my life and to lead me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we get a round of applause for those this morning? Because right now I know heaven is rejoicing over the right here, right now. But those that didn't raise their hands, that know that they're living, let me remind you, it's not an easy life. Ups and downs all over the place. Decisions are always going to try to get you off track and off, off kelter all the time. But trust in him with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path as he establishes every single footprint. Just hold on a little longer.
even when it seems bleak. Hold on a little deeper, even when you feel like you're drowning. Hold on a little stronger, even when you feel weak, because he's got you. Yes, sir. You want to pray this morning? Brother Steve wants to pray this morning. No, I don't want you to pray for me. Oh, you want to pray for you? Okay, yeah, I thought you wanted to pray in the microphone. We'll pray with it here in just a second, Steve. But can we pray this morning that God will empower each and every one of us? Say, Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you that right here, right now, you woke us up. Right here, right now, that you're leading us beside everything that we have. And you're putting us on the narrow path of this life. God, I ask you to touch each and every person, Lord, that was in this building, Lord. Empower them. Strengthen them. And hold on to them along this life's journey, Lord, as you lead them in every single step. Touch those that are watching the live stream, Lord, and let them find hope this morning as they're seeking you, Lord. And Lord, let them find community and connection where they're at, Lord. But God, lead them, Lord, like only you can. Touch us, Lord, and be with us. Be the God that touches your creation and has that relationship with each and every one of us so that we can hear your voice. God, be with us, Lord. Guide us the rest of our days, Lord. And Lord, let us go into this world, Lord, and loving you with all of our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our strength. And let that translate as we love our neighbor as ourselves. Be with us, Lord, and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Church, I love you all. I hope to see you this week at midweek if you can, or prayer time. If not, I'll see you next Sunday if the Lord keeps staring. Go and be blessed.